Plans to dismantle the San Onofre nuclear generating station have begun. The process will take eight years, removing the domes that have loomed over Camp Pendleton for nearly 40 years. Southern California Edison has already notified about 12,000 people that live within a five-mile radius of the plant. When all is said and done, all that will remain will be two dry storage facilities and a security building to watch over the nuclear waste. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Rob Nikoleski, you cover energy for the Union Tribune, and a big energy story is reaching its next chapter. San Onofre is finally being dismantled. How exactly is this going to work? Well, the San Onofre Nuclear Generating Station, which has been in existence, well, I guess going all the way back to the late 60s, -hmm. it's going to be decommissioned. And the way this thing works is that the licensee, that is Southern California Edison, they are in charge of the decommissioning. Now, that doesn't mean they do this thing all by themselves. The Nuclear Regulatory Commission is going to be looking over their shoulder. And also, uh, because... San Onofre is located within the state of California, and it's along the California coast. The State Lands Commission is also going to be doing some inspections as well. Yeah, I imagine this is probably one of the more complicated like demolition projects, I guess you can imagine, because you can't just blow it up like you would a skyscraper right. or something. Right, and you can't implode it like, uh, mm-hmm. like skyscrapers or any other large building. What they'll end up doing is they will take uh, the big steel and concrete, and I believe some of the walls in some of the places are eight feet thick. Wow. They'll end up just demolishing those piece by piece, and then they'll end up sending them over to various facilities, nuclear waste facilities in the West. The low-level radioactive waste is going to move via rail Mm -hmm. to a disposal site in the western, in the desert of Clive, Utah. The high-level waste is going to be sent by rail or possibly by truck to a private storage facility in West Texas. And the non-radiological waste will be trucked to a landfill in La Paz County, Arizona. Mm -hmm. And exactly, can you give us a sense about how much waste there is? Because, you know, I imagine it's a lot. Well, I mean, it's on an 85-acre chunk of Camp Pendleton. So mm-hmm. I'm, we're, we're talking about many, many tons. Another one of the more interesting things about this uh, decommissioning and this dismantlement is they're not just taking these big chunks in steel and concrete. They're also going to be draining these wet fuel pools mm-hmm. because when uh, you've got a nuclear power plant and you've got these rods, they're burning hot, they end up going into a spent fuel pool to be cooled, sometimes for years at a time. Mm-hmm. Once those things, once those spent fuel pools are done, then when you dismantle the uh, facility, you then have to drain the pools. And they're going to be draining those pools, taking the radioactive stuff out of the water. Mm-hmm. They say that they're going to be able to take almost all of it out to the point where it is safe. And then they'll discharge the water back into the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, interesting. I imagine that's raising some eyebrows. I'm sure them. it will once we once the story is published. I'm sure people are going to be saying, oh, the water is going back to the Pacific? 
Mm-hmm. But that's that is de rigueur, and that's what uh, the NRC and also the State Lands Commission will be making sure that these guys do, do this thing right. Mm-hmm. And this whole process is going to take eight years, but probably more. So what's the first uh, kind of steps? What are the things that are going to start happening soon? Well, the first thing they'll be doing is they'll be, in the next couple of months, they, they're going to start no earlier than February 22nd. They're going to put in staging areas by the parking lot. They're going to do some advanced work at, at the rail spur, because there is a rail spur right there at San Onofre. They're going to be doing those things first. And also, they'll be doing this early work in conjunction with the fact that on top of all this, you've got... Uh, spent fuel, nuclear waste, that's being transferred from one end of the uh, plant to another end. Mm-hmm. They're just they're going to be done with that by summertime, but that's going to be going at the same time as we get this early thing, or early bit of this dismantlement started. But it'll take, eight, as you said, eight years. And I think one of the main things that people come away with is they'll say, they come up to me when, when we talk about these things, they say, well, what's going to happen to the domes? Mm-hmm. And the domes are going to be gone by 2025, that is the schedule, that they will knock the domes down and they'll take them. They, From what I understand, they, they take them out from the bottom up. Interesting. So, the, so, the, so, the, so that the dome shrinks in size. Uh-huh. They don't take it from the top and take the top off and then take it. They, they, they bring it down step by step. It's kind of like a weird Jenga, I guess. Yes, it is a weird Jenga. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Will this affect traffic along Interstate 5, or like what impacts are people going to see if they, you know, commute to Orange County and back? Yeah, it will affect traffic, and uh, Southern California Edison has been saying that they are going to, quote, minimize any inconvenience to you and your neighbors as much as they can. One of the things they're going to do is they're going to expand the rail spur down there, so that way they'll be able to uh, minimize the the amount of trucks that will be coming in and out of the facility and they, that, they hope, will uh, minimize some, some of the traffic difficulties. Mm-hmm. So we've had several conversations about San Onofre and the problems that it's had over time. So what are the steps that are being taken to ensure that the removal of the waste, be it highly radioactive or just barely radioactive, what are they doing to make sure that that transport is safe? Because moving that along a rail line does sound somewhat dangerous. Well, if you're and also if you're moving it from one state to another, which is what they're doing in all three of these cases, that becomes a federal issue and that's why the NRC is involved in this and that's why they're going to be doing these episodic uh, inspections as well to make sure that that this thing is done safely and that there's no problems. And in defense of the industry, Lots of nuclear power plants have been, have been decommissioned, and there have not been any sort of incidents or accidents or crises that have erupted mm-hmm. where uh, where they've had to shut down uh, a freeway or something like that because uh, of an incident. Yeah, and it's just human nature to remember all the bad stories and the, the terrible things that have happened when, you know, at this point, we have a grasp on how to safely handle this energy. Right. But, you know, but at the same time, though, Southern California Edison, um, they, they had to stop transfers uh, of, of the spent fuel for a year because they had an incident back in uh, August of 2018 in which uh, uh, a canister, a 50-ton canister, got mm-hmm. wedged into a cavity. Uh, now, that doesn't have, any, have anything to do necessarily with decommissioning, but there are 
Southern California has more than its share of critics, and they point to something like that as, hey, if they had a problem with something like that, what are they going to do with an eight-year massive project, decommissioning project? How are they going to handle that? Mm-hmm. And that makes sense why there are a variety of organizations kind of making sure all the T's are crossed and I's are dotted for this. Exactly. And also, when it comes to decommissioning, who funds this and where are all the, the money's coming from? The, it's funded through a trust fund that comes from or that came from people just like you and me and everybody else in Taxes, the San Diego yeah. area. It came through the uh, how much money that w- was taken out from the utilities. San Diego Gas and Electric was a, uh, a, a minority owner of this. Uh, project and also Southern California Edison was the majority owner. So every time in your, you paid your electric bill, you paid a little bit towards uh, San Onofre. That money it came it, it now totals about 4.4 billion dollars, and according to Southern California Edison, about one third of that came from rates. Mm-hmm. The other two thirds was generated by investments that they made from that, that Southern California Edison made from that money that has been a positive investment. So they, judging from the fact that two-thirds of, out of $4.4 billion came from investments, I guess they did a pretty good job investing that money. But that's where it's coming from. Yeah, and it, is it correct to say that there's enough money in that fund that if this project were to get further delayed, there would be enough to fund it, right? We'll have to wait and see on that. But they say that They've got enough money to take care of it right now. Yeah, let's cross our fingers with that one. I know. Eight years. We'll see if they see if they can get get this thing done. Uh, although I have heard that some other there was a project, a Zion project up in Illinois, that they got done with their decommissioning under budget and ahead of schedule. So we'll see if the mm-hmm. San Onofre people can do the same. It is possible. Yes. So, at this point. What's the state of nuclear energy in the country? Because it does seem like, you know, there is more of a focus on wind, solar, and nuclear hasn't really been a part of the conversation. Where do things stand? The state of nuclear energy right now is at best in a state of flux. Uh, There is just one power plant, new nuclear power plant, conventional nuclear power plant being built, and that's being built in Georgia. It's called Plant Vogel. And is running way over budget, and that has been really the the, the troublesome thing, the, the the stumbling block for nuclear is just the cost. And then on top of that, what do you do with the spent fuel, the waste? But um, there is a glimmer of hope on the horizon. They're talking about building smaller nuclear reactors. There's a place up in Oregon called New Scale that they believe that they'll be able to. Avoid the cost overruns and be able to reprocess the fuel so that maybe nuclear power won't be on its last legs. But that is a big maybe right now. Because mm-hmm. it seems like right now the goal of energy production in the U.S. is to have a diverse mix of a majority of green sources, mm-hmm. and nuclear can be a part of that, but it seems like the financials just haven't evened out. I think that the the best argument that a pro-nuclear person can make is don't shut down the existing reactors mm-hmm. because, yes, maybe they cost a lot of money to build, but now that they are built, they are a source of carbon-free electricity. Mm-hmm. And if we were 
really serious about trying to meet the Paris climate goals and all these other goals and the goals that the state of California is trying to reach, we should keep, this is their argument, we should keep these nuclear plants still going. And in fact, there is one plant, the name of it has escaped me right now, but it just got relicensed for another 20 or 30 years. Mm -hmm. And it was built back in the late 60s or early 70s. So theoretically, you should be able to get nuclear a nuclear plant going for decades and decades, and once it's built, then you've already met that sunk cost. Yeah, when you make that investment, it makes sense to continue it as long as it's feasible, which in this case, songs wasn't. Yes. Yes, that was a whole different story altogether. Mm-hmm. All right, Rob Nikoleski, thank you so much. Daniel, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. In other energy news... San Diego attorney Michael Aguirre wants to add language to the public utility code that would jail utility CEOs if they lie about wildfire protection measures. The proposed language also requires top executive officers to certify that each plan fairly presents, in all material respects, the company's fire safety operations. And the plans have been fully implemented in accordance with the California Public Utilities Commission. The language also calls for the offending CEOs to pay a $10,000 fine per violation, which the money has to come from their own bank accounts and not from the customers. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. This podcast is produced by myself, and editing help this week came from managing editor Laura Sacallo, digital creative director Beto Alvarez, and business editor Diana McCabe. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast app and support our journalism by signing up for our print and digital products at uniontrib.com slash subscribe. Until next time.